your cue. at things with my glasses because I can't see anything. But. All right. Well, it's an honor to be able to be up here. My name's Mark. I'm not one of the pastors either. Um, but uh, I kept getting reminded a little bit of, because um, I didn't expect Steve. Where, where is Steve? Where you are? There you are. I may ask you to do something later on. Um, years ago, when I was a teenager, Steve was running a camp down in California. And I was an obnoxious teenager. And I remember that it was a particular week at camp where there was no hot water. Okay? And I had this great idea. I don't have many of them. But I had this great idea when Steve was standing up and he was going like this, that I would come up behind him with two handfuls of peanut butter and just shove them up his armpits. I did. And I think he chased me all around the camp and he finally got me back. And what's funny is years ago, I came here uh, to speak with the junior hires at a, a kind of a revival event the church was happening. And I was talking with Steve, and I'm going, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? And as we started to put it together, I went, oh, um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> but it actually, I didn't expect you here this morning, and that actually fits with the topic of mercy. Because, <laughs> because Steve was one of those people that, as a young person, I looked up to for his walk with Christ. And when I found out he was here, that was one of the, the main reasons why we decided to start coming to this church. And he's a good friend. And the mercy and the love that he showed me... Well, wait a minute. You did smear peanut butter at me, huh? Okay. But, but the, the love and the acceptance and the grace that this person showed me was one of the transformational things of my life. So would you join me in prayer? Lord God, I ask this morning that it is your word that is reaching our hearts. Not my words, but your word. That the truth in your word and your scriptures reaches deep into our souls. That we can come to realize in incredibly deep ways what your mercy is about, and how we can accept it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as I was kind of preparing for this, and, and this is a passage that God has laid on my heart a lot, um, was I, start, I was reminded of another incident right around that time. Our church had just gotten this new youth pastor, and outside of his really weird-looking haircut, this guy was a bodybuilder. I mean, he was beef, like big old muscles and everything. And I was this kind of insecure guy. Um, you can stone me later for that one. But I, I was this insecure guy, and 
the first event we did is we were going bowling. Now, in Sacramento, bowling alleys are big. And this particular bowling alley had about 50 lanes, and it was Friday night. And we had lane number one, and every lane was jammed full. And so we go there, and I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is perfect. Now, mind you, I weighed about 125 pounds then. And I'm thinking, I am going to get up on my turn, and I am going to throw this bowling ball down the aisle so hard that when he hits those pins, it's going to be thunderous. And I'm going to impress this guy. So we start bowling. Comes my turn. I get up there, and I get all set, and I pull that thing back. Well, unfortunately, I forgot to let go of the bowling ball. And about the time I stopped doing my Superman invitation on my stomach, I was about halfway down the lane. And the place erupted in laughter. Remember that commercial, Want to Get Away? If I could have, I would have. And the thing that went through my head, because in that moment, I felt so much shame that I thought this man that I wanted to impress would never love me, and he would always see me as a person who did foolish, stupid things. And that is what I thought about when I was starting to look at this, because in a moment, I was feeling like I wanted to disconnect, like I wanted to hide, and that there was nothing that was going to take that away. Most of us, if not all of us, have experienced shame. That's the problem there. Hey, look at that. Most of us, if not all of us, have experienced shame. We have, sometimes that shame has come to us at the hands of other people who have said or done things to us that made us start to doubt our own valuability, our own sense that we're good enough, our own piece about us that we could be loved. But most of the time, shame is driven by self-judgment. And there's some things that we're going to see in a minute because I'm going to take you to passage about a woman who has brought in her shame in front of everybody. And it's a beautiful thing that happens in Scripture. And I'm going to show you that there is an element about what God's mercy is that just transcends any aspect of shame. But before we get there, I want to kind of look deeper at shame. I I hate to say this, but I preach like a counselor, so that's what I do. Um, So let's look at shame. Shame is extremely painful and ugly feeling that has a negative impact on us. It has a negative impact on our ability to genuinely connect with God and with one another. Oftentimes, people who are shame-prone will tend to blame other people as well as themselves in an effort to try to somehow escape the feelings that are going on. They will oftentimes be, their lives will be shrouded with this inability to bond and to join with one another with God, and even with being able to connect with who they are. Shame is a very powerful, destructive force. The feeling of shame 
involves an inaccurate awareness of our own, in, our own flawed self and our own unworthy self. And oftentimes it blows our view of something way out of proportion. And my bet is every one of us knows a sense of what that shame feels like and what it does to us. Over the last 20 years, I've been doing counseling. And probably the the largest aspect of what I see that keeps people stuck or from realizing the changes that they can make and the fact that God can be the head of that change is the self-judgment they have about themselves, the shame that they feel, those, those belief systems in their head that say, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'll always fail. And I've watched many people walk away from getting the help they need because the shame is too strong. The fear of being exposed for who they really are is too powerful. Dr. Timothy Jennings, in his book, The God-Shaped Brain, writes, although we, have the power, although we have power over what we believe, what we believe holds real power over us to heal and the power to destroy. With shame, we tend to see ourselves in a destructive light. We tend to view ourselves as all bad. Shame tends to steal away our God-given desire to grow into the fullness of God's vision and his purpose for our lives. His nature of love is seen in all of creation because all of nature, all of life, is built, designed, constructed to operate on the template of God's love. But when we feel that shame, we start to wall that off. We start to build this barrier, and it gets harder and harder for love and truth and grace and especially mercy to reach into our soul. This morning, what I want you to realize more than anything is that mercy is the prescription that will wither away that shame. It is the balm that will heal deeply the wounds that steal away away our love, hope, and joy. God's mercy transcends brokenness. It restores those who have crushed spirits. We know that from Scripture. So let's take a look at our passage. If we look at John chapter 8, and actually it starts with verse 53 of chapter 7, but listen to the story. They went each to his own house, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. And then they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery. Now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, and that they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bends down, and he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, 
Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at it. At once, and once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So there's lots of things to pull from this. But I want you to picture that there's this routine that Jesus had where he would go around in Jerusalem and teach during the day. And at night, he would go outside of the city and retire and rest. And then he would come back in the morning and people would gather together and he would do it again. And I want you to imagine that here this crowd of people have gathered early in the morning to hear what Jesus was going to teach. They probably have heard him teach many times before, and so they were looking forward to the next thing. They were eager to hear him. And so we don't know how large that crowd was, but they were definitely very focused in on Jesus. And in comes the scribes and Pharisees. And they bring this woman up into the front, and they present her to everybody. And they challenge Jesus. Now there's lots of stuff that's happening here. First of all, the scribes and the Pharisees were very concerned with the law of Moses. In fact, the Pharisees especially really focused on that. And so here they find this woman, they caught this woman in the act of adultery. Now according to scripture, you had to have two witnesses that see the act. Okay? Kind of interesting that scribes and Pharisees were looking for somebody doing this, okay? But they find her, and the, the sense in Scripture is they brought her in the midst of her shame before all these people and before Jesus. It's hard to know, so it, being in her shame, what did that look like? But it's really clear that they had brought her and placed her in a position, in a judicial position, which is to be judged, now, this is not the way it should have been done, and this was a very harsh way to treat this woman. They should have taken her to the Jewish courts and gone through that way, but that's not what they wanted because their motives were not pure. Their motives were to trap Jesus. And so what happens is that they come and they present her and they say, we caught this woman. And they're presenting her sin in front of everybody. Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine what she felt? What was going on inside of her? The fear of not knowing what's going to happen to her life or how these people were going to judge her or how they were going to treat her? I'm sure she had a lot going on. She was not in control of any aspect of her life at that moment. And they put her before Jesus and they say, the law of Moses says that we must stone this person. And they challenge Jesus. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus 
was offered this thing, there's really like two choices, right? One is to say, okay, let's stone her. But the problem with that is, then he'd be violating the Roman authorities in the system that they have. And at that point, they didn't have a death penalty for adultery. But if he said, okay, let's not stone her, then he was violating the law of Moses and could be charged by the Pharisees and all that. So they, they thought, man, I've, we've got the trap. We've got him. There is no way out. But this incredible thing happens. Jesus bends down. And he starts, starts drawing or writing in the dirt. We have no idea what he wrote or drew. But he did something that was one of the most beautiful things I find in Scripture. He took the focus off of the woman and brought it to him. I kind of see it as a precursor to him dying on the cross for our sins. But he took the focus off of her so that the shame was removed. And he bent down. And I'm imagining all these people and their eyes just following him. He draws in the dirt for a while and he stands up and he responds. But he never answers their question. What he does is incredible. Even though he knows the law, he knows exactly what is going on, what he does is he ignores their question. And he did one of the, and he turns this instead of them looking at her and has them look at him at themselves. He, in essence, puts a mirror up to their faces and says, okay, so if you don't have sin in your life, then pick up a stone. I'm sure there were lots of these around. But pick up a stone. Be the first one. Go ahead and throw it. Okay. He challenges them to do that. Now, I, I've really wrestled with this in this part of the script in the passage because what happens next is surprising. And that's not only the scribes and the Pharisees one by one leave, but so did everybody else. The people that came to hear him started leaving. However Jesus said this, he said it in such a way that cut everybody to the quick, cut them deeply to where their conscience could not bear to pick up a stone and throw it. I would love to have been there to hear how he said that. But isn't that true to the character of Christ that he cut through all the stuff and got to the core of what needed to be said? So after everybody had left, it's just Jesus and the woman. And he says to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, well, neither do I condemn you. 
to go. And from now on, sin no more. Change your life. So there's, there's this unbelievable mercy that God, that Jesus bestows upon this woman. But he also holds her accountable and challenges her to live the right kind of life. To let go of her way of, of sinning. To let go of her lifestyle that is bringing about this shame. It is this mercy that strikes me and, and, and is representative of several things in Scripture, several passages. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, and you find Adam and Eve, after they have eaten of the fruit, naked and ashamed. And if you go to verse 21, you find that God sacrifices an animal to make clothing for Adam and Eve so that the shame is taken away. So that they can have still have a relationship even though that sin has come into their lives. If you go to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, we find a leper who is basically banished from all society, boldly comes up to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus do first? He doesn't heal his leprosy. He reaches out and he touches him. The one thing a leper was never going to get. He brings him back into relationship. And what I want you to understand about God's mercy is that it is about restoring us into that relationship with God. It is about bringing us back, cutting through the stuff that creates our barriers. And yet, oftentimes our shame is what holds us back from accepting that gift. That shame builds a wall, a fortress around our heart. When I first saw the bulletin cover for today, I was like, wow. Because that is my yearning for everyone, is that they can bring out their heart, beatered and battered, whatever it is, and lift it up and give it to God so that we can realize what God has in store for us. That's my prayer. That's my hope. What is holding you back? What is in the way for you? What is the shame that you don't even want God to see? The, the pieces of your heart and your, your mind that you don't let anybody know. Those are the things that keep us from realizing the depth of the relationship we can have with God. And my prayer is that you will find that. I was going to have Steve throw a stone at me. <laughs> I, I even brought special stones. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you loved us so much that you will cut all the way through to where our heart is wounded and crushed and battered. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us can receive in that gift of mercy and take it into heart and let it transform our life. I pray this in your name. Amen.